All right. Praise the Lord. Oh, what a great time. Thank you so much, Izzy. You did fantastic today. Yeah, go. Clap for him. He doesn't get enough recognition for all he does for us on Sunday mornings. All right. Uh, well, welcome, everyone. My name is Nathaniel. I'm the missional communities guy here at Storehouse Community Church. Uh, and happy new year. It's 2020, uh, a new decade. It's pretty crazy to think about. And so last week, uh, we finished up the year, and we also finished up our sermon series on the Holy Spirit and what He does. Next week, we're going to be starting a new sermon series called Our Faithful Pursuit, talking about who we are as a church, what we believe in, and where we're going in 2020. But today, we've got a nice little standalone sermon, first Sunday of the year. And when Pastor Marco asked me to preach today, I was excited, but also a little apprehensive. Because a standalone sermon is a little difficult sometimes. Because when you're in a series, you kind of have a direction you're going. Uh, especially most of the time, we preach out of a book of the Bible. So you just do the next passage right after what you did last week, right? But a standalone, like you don't have any direction. You don't know what you're supposed to preach on. And so when he asked me, I was like, oh, okay, I'll do this, but I have no clue. So I started praying. I started really uh, thinking and praying through, okay, God, what do you, what do you have for today? And it was pretty quick where I just really felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me, you need to just talk about what I'm doing in you right now. What is God teaching me? And so I really just pursued that. And over the past five months or so, God has been really just wrecking me. And he's really been uh, pushing me to grow closer to him and become more like him in an area that I think resonates with a lot of people. And that area is contentment being able to be content in our life and what's going on. And this is something that I struggle with and I have struggled with and I will continue to struggle with, but I am working to be able to submit myself more to him every single day. And so I will tell you right now, this whole week of prep and the weeks leading up to this has already been just a gut punch to me every single day. Um, but I hope that you'll be able to also uh, take some encouragement from what the Holy Spirit has for us. And I think uh, talking about contentment at this time of year is very important as well. It, it really fits in because uh, when the new year comes, a very common thing for our culture is to have New Year's resolutions. Some of you may have already made some, uh, and that's okay. It's totally cool, right? It's a fun thing to do. It kind of pushes you to be better, to be able to maybe do some goals that you haven't done before in, in the past. But I think that a New Year's resolution kind of does speak to a deeper thing in our culture, a deeper issue, and that's a culture of discontent, where oftentimes we're just not satisfied with what's happening in our life or where we are, what job we have, um, something about ourselves, whatever it may be. We live in a world where discontent just seems to run rampant and where we're very restless. It's a restless world. And you can see that in how we're not really happy with our leaders, whether it's like the president or elected officials locally, or whether it's even church leaders sometimes, where you're just not satisfied exactly where it's going. Uh, we're not satisfied with our job, or man, we got passed up on that promotion, or I never imagined I would still be here, you know, after so many years. Or maybe it's even location. I, I know that back home uh, when I was growing up in Indiana, it was a huge thing for my graduating class in high school. Everyone was like, I can't wait to get out of Indiana. I can't wait to get out of this boring place and go somewhere cool. 
right? And so that, this, is, this is an idea of restlessness, of just discontent with where we're at. And it's something that is so prevalent in, in our society, in our culture. Uh, I went on to Google, and you know how they have the Google reviews? Man, you should read some of those because it's just really weird. Some of the stuff that people complain about, whether it's a restaurant or even churches. I went to this one church's uh, Google page, and there's a one-star review for it. And the complaint was that the worship leader's face wasn't worshipy enough for them. <laughs> what is that? Like, why would you be so upset about just how somebody else worships that it just messes up your whole experience at that church? But this is what we see. I mean, you can go to any website, Amazon, Google, whatever, and look at the reviews, and you're going to see people just complaining about every single little thing. Um, and most of the time, it doesn't even make sense. I also went and saw Star Wars the last couple of weeks, and it was awesome. Uh, I'm a huge Star Wars geek. In fact, I probably know more trivia than I should, where it's a little embarrassing. Um, but I, I just love Star Wars, and I always have. And every time something new comes out, like I freak out, I'm geeking out, I, I will go see it, and I love it. But as like any fandom, there's going to be a lot of people who are just not satisfied. They don't like the way it went. They don't like the direction of the movie or the show or how this was portrayed. Oh, it doesn't stick with the original content, whatever, right? People complain about it. Where, for me, I don't even care, man. They could have had Jar Jar Binks be the chosen one, and I would have been happy. <laughs> and that's for Star Wars people. But. <laughs> but the point is that people get really, really upset because stuff doesn't go the way that they want it to where we're just not content with the way things are, even things outside of our control, even silly things like your favorite franchise, whatever it may be. <laughs> and we also see that then in just our daily lives, where you see people who have to have the newest phone every single year. Man, the new iPhone came out, I better go get that, even though they have last year's model, it works perfectly fine. But gotta have the newest thing, gotta be up to date. I got to have the newest car, the newest trend, clothing, all of this, because we're just not content with our life. And so what happens is that leads us to a life of pursuit, but not for God, but rather for possessions, for material things, for causes, for people. We begin to pursue everything else in this world, because what we are doing is searching for contentment and we just don't find it. And so we come to this question of how do I really live a life of contentment? And I have good news and bad news for you. All right, I'll start with the bad news. The bad news is that you cannot live a life of contentment. And I've already seen a couple of people like, what? You can't do that. Well, I got good news too. The good news is that through God it is possible. But only through God. On our own, we cannot have a life full of contentment. And so today's passage is talking just about that. We're going to be in Philippians 4, 11 through 13. And some of you are already familiar with this passage. You immediately thought, hey, I know that one. That's where it talks about through, you know, God, I have strength to do all things, right? It's that little passage. And this passage is used by a lot of people for a lot of different things, and it's used incorrectly most of the time. Because this passage is not saying that you have the strength to get through any adversity. It's not saying you have the strength to be able to do whatever you want or to be able to pursue any career or any path that you desire. 
It's not saying you're going to be some kind of superhuman Christian, whatever. That's not the strength that we're talking about. Paul in this passage is writing to the Philippian church after they have sent him gifts uh, financially as well as supplies so that he can continue his work for the kingdom of God. And he's super gracious and he's grateful that they have and glad that they've been obedient to God. But he's saying, I don't necessarily need these things because I am content. And God has given me contentment no matter what's happening in my life. And so thank you for all of this stuff. But that's, that's secondary to the contentment that God gives me. And he says that I only can get that through him who gives me strength. And so really what Paul is saying is that I can be content in all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's something we need to remember for ourselves too as we go out through our lives. And so let's read Philippians 4, starting in verse 11. Paul says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for this new year. All the opportunities uh, that are before us, and the chance that we have even today to be able to just devote ourselves to you even more fully, to be able to worship you together as a church family, and to be able to look ahead at 2020 and say, what things should we focus on? If we're going to have a New Year's resolution, what is that going to be? And how can we serve you more through that? Holy Spirit, I ask that you do a work right now through this time that you will put me aside and that the words that I say will be coming from you and from your holy word. Thank you and I praise you. Amen. We need contentment in our life. Without contentment, I mean, we get unhappy, we get restless, we, we just can't be satisfied with anything happening. And it leads us to a place where we really do struggle just to get out of bed. It can lead to depression. It can lead to all these things. Because if you're just discontent, then nothing seems to fit. It's almost like, like you're putting together a puzzle and you have a piece that's missing and it just doesn't work and it just bugs you. That's what, what it's like when we have discontentment. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through a list of a few things, stuff that we search for contentment in and we cannot find it in. These are things that you will not find contentment in. Because the only thing, like I already said, the only thing we can find contentment in is through Jesus Christ. But these are things that we always go to. And I know that I always go to these things too. And so this is, this is not something that I'm just saying randomly. This is stuff that I've been working through myself. And so what I want you to do though, as we go through this list, is some of you may be already thinking, man, I'm pretty happy with my life. I'm not, I'm not really struggling with discontentment or anything like that. Uh, I feel pretty good. There's still areas, though, that we always put our trust in above God. And so this list, as we go through it, I want you to really pray, Holy Spirit, show to me, reveal to me the areas that I'm withholding from you. And it may not be this great, you know, big thing where you just hate life or anything like that, but it could be an area that you're finding yourself holding on to above worship of God. And so let's look at this list and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to all of us. And so things that 
we cannot find contentment in. The very first thing is things, possessions. And so this could be a variety of stuff. It could be anything from uh, how I decorate my home, the type of yard that I have, and how good it looks. It could be the clothing that I wear, uh, having to have the newest, you know, stylish shoe, the new Jordan, whatever it is. These things that we're pursuing and these things that we want and need because we feel better about ourselves just because we have them. I know something that's very common is having the newest and best car or a certain type of vehicle because that gives you a little bit of a status. It gives you this feeling that, that you're powerful or this feeling that you have something that you really desire. It could be a house, how, how big it is or where it's located at, uh, what type of home, uh, your dream home. It could be anything through tech. You know, I mentioned having the new phone all the time. All these things are things that we resonate with and we go to to find fulfillment and to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. It could be uh, possession of your hobbies, being good at hobbies. Uh, I know there's a lot of people who like jujitsu in here, and jujitsu could be that thing where, man, you're going to that because it gives you a fulfillment that other things don't. Or even on the flip side of that, it could be that, man, I do jujitsu, so, man, I'm definitely better than that person who does Tai Chi or whatever. I don't know what the jujitsu world is. <laughs> but it could be in any hobby, really. Uh, I know there's a lot of video gamers who look at people who exercise for fun, and they're like, why would you do that? Why would you hurt yourself and like it? But then on the flip side, you've got you know these guys who like hiking or, or doing whatever, and, and they look at video gamers, and they're like, why would you sit in front of a TV all day, you bum? Like, what are you doing with your life? But we do that because it makes us feel better about ourselves because we think that we're superior in some way. And so our hobbies can really be something that we end up worshiping above God. It could be our finances, just having wealth, having money, having a bank account that looks real good. That could be something that we just pour our identity into and our self-worth into. And on the flip side of all of that, we could uh, worship and we could find self-worth in the denial of things. Man, I'm minimalistic. I, I don't take material possessions. I don't do all this stuff. And somehow that makes you better than other people who do. The next thing on the list is people. We try to find contentment through people. And this could be friends. Having a group of friends that makes you feel good about yourself. It could be followers on social media. I mean, there's so many people where if you lose a follower, all of a sudden your day is wrecked. But you get a follower and you're like, I'm the best. Like, everyone loves me, <laughs> right? This is a very common thing in social media. We do this all the time. We could also search for contentment in our spouse. Where having a spouse, maybe, or even having a good relationship with your spouse, good thing, right? But we find fulfillment in that. And then what we end up doing is we start putting expectations on our spouse that they can't fulfill because your happiness is totally dependent on them. You might do the same thing with your children, where the success that your children have may determine how good you feel about your life. 
And so what we do is start placing unfair expectations on our children. Could be celebrities. We have a celebrity culture in the United States where people will follow these celebrities and have no clue who they are or anything about them, and yet they feel very strongly about them having a baby or getting a new role or doing whatever, and it's a big deal for them because we worship celebrities, because we feel like our life is not good enough, and so instead we go to the life of some glamorous star and say, man, they got it put together. I'm going to attach myself to them. And through their success, I'll feel like I'm successful. It doesn't have to be a celebrity. It could also be a sports team. It could be anything. And another group of people that we often attach ourselves to to find contentment and fulfillment are leaders. Right now, we're going through the DNC nomination uh, for their primaries for the presidential election next year. And so you see all these different... Um, all these different presidential nominees for the Democratic Party, and people are really getting behind this person or that person. They're canvassing. You know, you may have even talked to some people who have gone door to door uh, trying to get you to come to their side. These people are putting everything into this leader. Or if you're on the Republican side, it's maybe behind Trump or behind somebody else, where you're putting everything you have behind a leader, and your life begins to revolve around the success of that leader. And it doesn't have to be politics. It could be maybe a leader at work, a boss, or it could be a local leader, whether it's local elections or whether it's uh, really any kind of you know, position of authority. But we attach ourselves to them and think that if they're successful, then we'll be successful. And that at least we're part of something. The third thing that we oftentimes go to to find contentment is circumstance. This could be your job. Feeling like I'm in my dream job, so I must be doing things right. Or I got that promotion. Finally, things are going the way I need. Or maybe you're on the flip side where you're like, it's 15 years later, I'm still in the same job. Why? Like, surely I'm failing at something. Or maybe you got passed over again for that promotion. And so you feel like you're nobody, like you're not appreciated. You wrap yourself up in your job because that's your identity. That's where you find your worth in. Status is another thing where maybe it is, you know, looking for that certain position or having a team underneath you or whatever it may be. This area is something for me personally, I really struggle with. I oftentimes find myself in a position where I begin to fear that if I'm not achieving certain things or certain goals or going to a certain place that my life is a failure, that I'm a failure. This is one of my biggest fears and one of my biggest insecurities that really does affect me constantly because I, I am a huge fan, like I said, like Star Wars, but also of any literature, media. Um, I'm a writer, and so I, I just love diving into fiction and what some of the greatest writers of our world have ever written. But when you go into those stories, what you see is a hero who is doing amazing things. And I will oftentimes look at my own life and say, I've, I've done nothing. 
And so my fear becomes that I am a nobody. And what happens is that insecurity leads me to a place where I deny the identity of a son of God that he has placed into me. And what I do is I deny the gospel and I deny that Jesus Christ has done anything through me and that he will continue to guide me for his glory. That's my own failure. That's the thing that I've really been struggling with because I don't want to be a nobody. And yet I know that scripture says I am somebody that God loves and he has pursued and he has saved when I don't deserve it. And yet how many of us in this room resonate with that, where we feel like we're not worthy of what God has done for us? And so what we do is we go back to this list of things where we start pursuing all the stuff in our life where we think that that will give us fulfillment, that will give us joy, that will give us happiness outside of God, because for some reason we think that God's promises are not for me. And that's a lie. That is a lie that is very uh, much part of our lives, and it's a lie that will continue. Like I've said, this is something that I've been struggling with for a very long time, and I know it will always be a struggle for me, but what I need to do is continuously preach the gospel to myself. And that's my encouragement to you guys today, is that no matter where you fall on this list, preach the gospel to yourself. Don't allow these things to take the place of God in your life. Don't allow the lies of the enemy to say that you're not worth God's love. Because, yes, we are messy. And, yes, we have messed up. We have sinned. We do not honor God. And at at the core of everything, no, we don't deserve it. But God, despite of that, has said that you are worthy because he chooses you. And it is that fact alone that we can hold on to and take encouragement from. So any of these things, this list that I went through, I mean, it's not all inclusive, but, it, but it's a lot of stuff, and it's a lot of stuff that may resonate with you and may be something that you've struggled with. And we try and try to be happy, to be content, to be satisfied, and yet we fail constantly because we just keep going to these things. And life is always going to throw a curveball at you where the unexpected will happen and you'll have to react off of instinct and then your instinct will take you back to one of these things. It's a struggle for us to constantly go through life and try to find that solid ground to stand on. And when we look at these things, we will never find it. But contentment is possible through Christ's strength, through the strength that he gives the believer, that we can have contentment, that we can be satisfied, that we can have joy in our life. That's only possible through Jesus Christ. We go through life as if we're somebody that's stranded in the middle of the ocean on a boat where we just have this thirst that comes up. We need water. We need to survive. And there is no water around us other than salt water. And so we drink it, hoping that it may quench that thirst. But instead, salt water makes us more and more thirsty. And so we continuously drink of this when really we need fresh water. But we're stranded. We're in the middle of an ocean where there is no fresh water. The only way for us to get fresh water is through a supernatural work. And that supernatural work is Jesus Christ and what he has done on the cross for us. He gives us fresh water to drink from so that we don't have to keep going back to the salt water. 
And the, the cool thing about this passage is that the original language actually speaks in a continuous tone, saying that he strengthens us continuously, daily. So what God is even saying through this is that he recognizes that we will continuously have a thirst. It's not like we just, you know, quench our thirst once and then we're good to go. God knows that it's going to be a struggle for us where we're going to continuously fall back into some of these things because we're always looking for contentment and satisfaction, fulfillment. And he says that I will, get, I will give you fresh water every single day. And so even when we do fall back and we go back to that salt water, he says, I will still pursue you and it's available every single day. I will continue to strengthen you so that you can drink from the source of life that I give you. And that is a great encouragement. Another passage that's really well known, but also misunderstood most of the time, is 1 Timothy 6. And this is also talking about contentment. And it says, starting in verse 7, For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we had food and clothing with these things, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Wealth is the example that Paul uses in this passage. The, the love of money is what he uses as an example. But his message is to a broader problem. He's saying that in this specific example, people go to wealth, they go to finances because they think they're going to get some kind of fulfillment and satisfaction out of it. And he's saying, man, that's not it. When you pursue these things, and it could be wealth, it could be any of the stuff we've already talked about, when you pursue those things, it's actually like a snare. It's like a trap where you get caught up into it, and all of a sudden you're stuck in this vicious cycle where you keep going back to salt water instead of the fresh water that's available to you. And he uses uh, the language of a snare and a trap very intentionally because it is something that entraps us. That means it's difficult to get out of. Not only is it just difficult, it's impossible to get out of on our own. If you've ever been hunting and used a snare or anything like that, the animal can't break free. You have to be able to loosen it. God is the one that comes in and he loosens the snare that you've been trapped in so that you can go to the fresh water he's offering you so that you can have life, so you can have eternal life of contentment and satisfaction in him. Paul goes on in verses 11 and 12, But as for you, O man of God, flee all of these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith to take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Philippians 4 and 1 Timothy 6 both tell us the same Thing. They both answer the same question. How do we find contentment? We find contentment through two ways. One, surrendering ourselves to God. 
We recognize our sin. We understand that we are sinful and that we always go back to all the things in this world that we think will make us happy. We recognize that and we say no to that and we say yes to Jesus and we turn to him. That's what repentance means. We repent of our sins. We turn away from it and we go after God. And that means that we surrender to him because it is like a snare. It's a trap that we cannot get out of and we cannot find contentment on our own. It is only through the strength of Jesus Christ that we can. And so if that's going to happen, you have to let go of yourself. We must surrender to God. Contentment is only possible through the promises of the Father that we see in Holy Scripture fulfilled through Jesus Christ on the cross and the strength that he makes available to us every single day. We must hold on to that. And so when we do reach those moments where insecurities, when I reach that moment when I feel like I'm just nobody and I'm never going to be able to do anything in my life, when that moment comes, I hold on to the promise that God gives us that he will strengthen me so that I can be content and I can be satisfied and fulfilled at that moment. That's the only way we can escape these things. And the second way that we find contentment is through worship. We live a life in pursuit of God and in a pursuit of honoring Him. And He actually gives us a list in 1 Timothy of things that we can do. We pursue righteousness. It means we're pursuing a life where we're trying to uphold the holiness that God gives us as an example. Jesus Christ lived here as man on earth, which means He had all the temptations we do says so in Hebrews. He had all the temptations, and yet he did not sin. So he understands what we're going through and also shows us that it is possible through his strength. We can say no to sin. We can pursue righteousness and succeed. And so we make that our pursuit. We pursue righteousness. We pursue godliness. We pursue faith putting our trust into God every single day, no matter what the circumstances or how it makes us feel, we're able to put our faith into him and, our, and his promises. Love, loving God, loving others, being able to show love, being able to glorify him through love. Steadfastness, so that when those times do come in our life, that we're not swaying back and forth like a ship on the waves, but rather we are firm. And we're able to say no to those temptations. We're able to say no to those insecurities in our life and say, yes, I will hold on to the promises you have given me, God. I know I'm a son of yours. I know I'm a daughter of yours. God, I put my identity in you and you alone. That makes us steadfast. And then gentleness. We live a life where we are able to make ourselves more like Jesus where we, we aren't lashing out when those insecurities come. We aren't being that person that people are afraid to be around when the time gets tough. Rather, they know, even if your life is in shambles, they know that you're going to reflect Jesus. Because our life reflects our relationship with Him. So we can pursue these things. And so often we look at a list like this and we think, oh man, there's so much work, there's so many restrictions, things I can't do. But these things, they offer freedom. 
not restrictions, not chains. It's through this stuff that we're able to break the chains of sin and we're able to live a life of contentment in Jesus Christ through his promises. The more that we pursue contentment, the farther away it becomes. So we need to stop chasing contentment. We need to stop chasing after being happy or being satisfied and being fulfilled. We need to stop, we need to breathe, we need to close our eyes and pursue God. We don't find contentment. We pursue God and He instead will offer contentment to us every single day through His strength and His strength alone. Let's pray. Lord, thank You so much for today. God, I thank You so much for Your Word, everything that You teach us. Thank you so much that you give us an opportunity right now, today, the very first week of the new year to say, okay, maybe we are going to have a New Year's resolution. My New Year's resolution is to find contentment in you and you alone. I'm going to pursue you and submit myself to you, worship you, so that I may be able to be content and satisfied and live a full life as you intend for us. Because the time that we have on this earth right now It's not just a a waiting room for eternity. This is a time that you have blessed us with so that we can celebrate life as your sons and your daughters. But that's only possible if we are content and we are satisfied with where we are and what you are doing in our lives. So let this be a turning point. Let today be a time where we are able to commit ourselves more fully to you, to submit our lives to you, to be able to put aside all of our insecurities, those things that are holding us back, the salt water we go back to to drink. Let us say no to those things, recognize that they do exist and that they are pulling for our attention and trying to entrap us and say that we are not going to pursue that. Rather, we are going to pursue you. Man, God, I pray this for myself right now because I know that this is something that I struggle with. But I pray this for every single person in this room too. I pray that everyone will be able to find that thing that they are just holding on to and it becomes maybe an idol or it becomes just that, that tripping block where they are just falling over it again and again and they keep turning to that instead of you. Let's overcome that through your strength and your power today. I thank you so much for who you are and the promises that you give and that we know for a fact that you do give us that strength. That assurance is a wonderful thing. And I praise you and I worship you in this moment. Amen. Lord, right now I also pray for our time of giving that we can continue to worship through our wallets and through our finances, that we're able to give generously because you have given more generously to us than we could ever, ever deserve or imagine. So I thank you for this time, and I thank you for the opportunity that you give your people.